Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now. Hi, everybody. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Freedom. This is what I call freedom. Finest internet radio show, making a world a better place, one show at a time. The George Water Jr. Show is now on the air. Take it away, Dad.
All right, welcome to the... Welcome to... All right, welcome to... welcome to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Black Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for podcasting the show. Thank you for all of your um, positive feedback on this show. I totally appreciate it, folks. And this show is broadcasting straight up out of the city of Chicago on the north side near Lake Michigan in my studio, which I'm now going to call my studio my man cave because this is where I hang out, where we hang out, actually, my family and I, we hang out here, you know, so, (laughs) you know, but um, um, it's a beautiful place to be, my uh, studio, uh, broadcasting the show from my studio, you know, and uh, it's it's great. Anybody, you know what, I'm going to say this. Anybody in America can have a radio show. If you want to do a radio show, if you want if you want to be a radio host, you can do it. It's so easy. It is so easy. But I understand why so many people are reluctant to have their own radio show because most most of them feel they can't talk or they they may not sound right or they may not sound professional or they may not know enough to have a talk show. But you know, there's some people who have talk shows. They're on they're on once a week once for for 20 minutes or 15 minutes or something. And I don't know how you call that a radio show. I mean, I've been on some people's shows and they only do a show once a week for 20 minutes or something. And they call that a show. I call it a waste of time. If you're going to do a show, a radio show, whether it's a radio show, or television show, you can also uh, do television shows just like radio show. It's an expense to it. But uh, how can you call 20 minutes or 15 minutes a, a week doing a radio show or a podcast? That, that's, you know, that's okay if you're beginning, but if you're, you know, starting, if you're really serious about something, you're going to, you know, uh, give your audience uh, uh, time enough to find you because nobody, no one can find you if you're doing 15 minutes, 30 minutes, uh, uh podcast or, or internet radio uh because you're not on people want to <laughs> you're not on and and one one of the things i learned in order to find an audience doing a radio show or a television show you have to be on um you have to steadily st- be on so people can find you uh but if you're not on once a week or for 15 minutes nobody's going to find you nobody is going to know who you are um but it's easy to start a radio show if you if you want to get one. It's easy. It's 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 very easy. It it's simple. But there's no doubt about it. You got to have the talent and you got to have the stamina to do it, or it won't work. You have to have the stamina to do it. You have to have the talent. You, and most of all, you have to be creative if you have a show, a television show or a radio show. You have to be creative. And you got to figure things out. You got to put two and two together. You got to figure this and got to do that. I know because I'm a host and it's 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 a hard job but once once you get it down nailed it's very very easy it's simple just you know you have a producer or somebody you just all you do is just sit down and start doing the show that's it but if you don't have a producer then you are the producer and you have to set everything up and you got to make sure everything is working correctly and uh, sometimes it's not it doesn't because anytime that you're on the internet it can uh internet goes down get stuck or it freezes up and bing you got to tell everybody well i 
can't do it today, folks, because we're having technical difficulties. And when you're on the Internet, technical difficulties is a real thing. <laughs> it's, it's a real thing. But anybody can have a radio show. I mean, it's it's out there for the grabbing. Anybody can be get any kind of exposure they want to. You don't even you don't even have to be on television anymore to get exposure. There's the um there's YouTube. I mean there's you can put up a YouTube video. I mean and that's your television. All you gotta do is get all you gotta do is get viewers. Go viral. That's your television. So you can you can be a, a, a internet star or a YouTube star. You don't necessarily need to be on TV anymore. You know? Uh, really, because a lot of times TV is talking about what's on YouTube, what what has gone viral on YouTube, you know? And uh, so it, it, it's so easy to be creative. It's so easy to become, to become successful or to become someone or, or, or to become or to live your dreams, if I, if I can say that. It's easy. It's, you know, you just need the, uh, the power of creativity. You need talent. You need drive and you need ambition. If you have all these things, there's no way in the world you can lose. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I want to once again thank everybody for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thanks for podcasting. I know your time is um, valuable, and I try not to waste it. Believe me, I don't want to waste it. Um, this show is um, uh, Cleo. No, no, that, that's CEO. I, I said Cleo, right? <laughs> it's not Cleo. It's CEO Ira S. Pass. Her is going to be on the George Wilder Jr. show today. And hate has no home here. I mean, that's 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 a given. I mean, that's all over the marquee. If you go to my website, the Black Talk Radio website, your first thing you'll probably see is uh, hate has no home here, you know, because it's, it's filtering. Hate right now is filtering throughout America, and it's only filtering out through America because of the slime that we have in the White House. I'm sorry to say it is slime in the White House. Um, um, All right. And be nice to one another. Stop arguing. Stop bitching. Stop fighting. Stop shooting. Stop killing. Stop all of that stuff that's causing America to go down the tubes. All right. Go out of your way to do something nice for someone. Go out of your way to do something nice for someone. And then after you do something nice for someone, brag about it. Silent gratitude isn't much use to anyone. If you're going to do something nice, you're going to do something good, you're going to do something wonderful, tell us about it. And if you have a book you want to get on the show, all you got to do is look me up and uh, it's probably workable. It could be workable. You know, if you have something you want to talk about, Check out the show. I mean, hey, look me up, and hey, I, I don't mind. I love, I love talking to people. I'm, I, I've always, always considered myself a people person. And if you look, and if you listen to some of the archives, some of the past shows, some of the past episodes where I've had guests on the show, you, you'll find that out. You, you'll find, well, he's a really nice guy. He's talking to all those folks about what they do and what they don't do. All right. Uh, You've been listening to the George Wilder. I, I say that so much, right? 
You've been listening to the George Bottles, and you know what you're listening to. All right, Voter Fraud Commission says panels should be more transparent. But, but first, I want to get to this, this Jeff Flake. Jeff Flake, Senator of, um, I believe, of Arizona, Jeff Flake, he's resigning today. He's resigning today, and he gave a speech on the House floor that was uh, exhilarating against bashing this fraud that we have in the White House, this fake president that we have in the White House. He's not the only GOP senator that's bashing Donald Trump. Uh, senator Bob Corker, he's bashing Donald Trump. I mean, a few days ago, you had five presidents get together with Lady Gaga coming out to blast Donald Trump. So all of these people coming out to blast Donald Trump. And don't forget the American people. The American people can't stand this fraud. So Donald Trump gets and, and 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 what it, it this just gets me. And what happened next? This woman, Sarah Huckabee, uh, the White House press secretary, she comes out to the podium and denies all of it. That these people are not, you know, they're not saying anything bad. She's a liar. She, I don't know how she fixes her mouth to come out to the podium every day to all of those reporters in front of her and just lie. Just lie like a goddamn dog. I mean, she is so, it's comical as much as she lies. They were clearly after Donald Trump. This guy, Jeff, said as much as he was after Donald Trump. But then what does Donald Trump do? Trash him. Say he's nothing. He's little. <laughs> Oh, wow. I guess this is Donald Trump's way of hitting back. This guy is so uh, pathetic. It's a shame. I've heard the speech that Jeff uh, Flake has given. He's a GOP. He's a Republican. And a lot of people are saying with these two Republicans and a lot of the Republicans coming out criticizing Donald Trump, it's about time that uh, the Republicans grew some balls. And I totally agree. they act, some of them act as if Donald Trump is their Lord and, Lord and uh, master, especially uh, people like uh, Paul Ryan and, and Mitch McConnell. They act as if Donald Trump is their Laurel, is, is their Lord and master. He's the king, he's the emperor, and they're just the peasants. You know, they're the, they're, they're the weaker ones. And that's the way these two act. Donald Trump is destroying America. And Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, the peasants, which they think they are under Donald Trump, they have the power to impeach this guy, throw this guy out to the wolves, throw him out. He's debasing, as Senator Bob Corsa says, he's debasing America, the nation. He's destroying America, and he likes it, and he's loving it. And he's got all these people going around the talk show circuit lying for Donald Trump, but a lot of them, they're not getting away with it because the opposition is keeping their foots to the fire to making sure that they tell the truth. Because a lot of these people come out on these shows trying to defend Donald Trump. They look stupid, but they're still out there because it's their job. It's their job and they're getting paid. So they're getting paid to lie and to look stupid because that's what they're doing, lying and looking very, very stupid in front of the American people. How, how do you fix your mouth to lie to 320 Americans, 320 million Americans, 
and you fix your face to lie to them, straight face. And then when you get caught in your lie, you come back and you double down on it. You triple down on a lie. You've got to be mentally sick to do that. But anyway, Flake, uh, he says, I can't remain in the Congress uh, because of this. Um, Bob Corker goes nuclear. He calls, he says, Trump is debasing America. Trump's legacy will be the debasement, debasement of America. If you don't know what debasement means, it's just taking America into the gutter, basically. That's what it means. Uh, taking us down, uh, destroying uh, a lot of our uh, uh, rights and, and um, uh, happiness. This is what this is about. And these people are just going around defending this man. I just don't, I just don't see it. You know, I mean, his rep- some people in his Republican Party are standing up against this man against this man. And they're not running again. So they don't have to worry about any kind of retaliation from Trump or the or the other Republican Party. Because the Republican Party is telling uh their party members to get in line and support Trump, no matter how much he lies, how much he how much he tr- destroys America, what the things he say and all that blah blah blah. Get behind Trump. That's a lie. Nobody's gonna sit back and let this man destroy America. Nobody's going to sit back and let this man just lie his ass off every day on everybody and pick on people of color. And basically, that's what he's been doing. He's been picking on people of color. And that's that really is not a not a surprising thing because he is a racist. He's a white supremacist. That's what you have in the White House. We have white supremacists in the White House. That's what we have. There's no doubt about it. This man is a stone racist and he thinks he's better than anybody else. It's all about him. It's not about America. It's about him. He doesn't think too, he doesn't care crap about Americans, especially black Americans or, or Muslims Americans or any Americans of any kind of color. See how he treated the people over in uh, Puerto Rico their 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 uh, land was destroyed by a hurricane. He threw what did he do? He threw them uh, paper towels. The man has no empathy. He has no feelings for anybody. He's a slob. He's he he he's a, as um, as Keith Overman called called him a water buffalo. <laughs> this guy is just um, pathetic. Let's let's. Uh, uh, Hear what more of what Jeff Flake had to say. Anyway, he will not seek re-election. There may be a place for him in the Trump. There may not be a place for him in the Trump GOP. So he's saying his departure is a political earthquake for 2018. A lot of the people are saying, well, Jeff, a lot of uh, liberals are saying, well, Jeff, quit the Republican Party. Come over here to the side of the Democrats and let's get together and we fight Trump. You you fight him. That's the best way to do this, is to fight. And he and also Bob Corker come to the side of the Democrats, and they all get together and fight him and and throw his ass out. That but one of the things I do know is that the House Dem the House Republicans and the Senate uh, Republicans can re- impeach Trump. There is so much. Trump has so much on him to be impeached that we don't even have to wait until the Russian 
investigation is over. He's done so much right now to be impeached. But yet we have Mike, uh, we have Paul Ryan saying, well, let's forget about it. Forget about it. We shouldn't be even talking about this. Let's go straight to hell because he's a bootlicker for Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell is a bootlicker for Donald Trump. You know, they are the peasants that that they are because that's what Donald Trump wants them to be. He wants them to be peasants. He wants every one of us Americans, he thinks we think of us as his peasants. You know, if we criticize him, he's going to come after us. Anybody who criticizes him or say or, or say something about him that he doesn't like, even if it's the truth, He's coming after you. I you remember the time he said he was coming after Facebook users, and a lot of the Facebook users said, "Hey, uh, bring it on!" <laughs> He's coming after them because he knew he knows that Facebook is not on his side, and that's the truth. It is not. Believe me. All right, Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona, Republican from Arizona will not run for re-election in 2018. The Arizona Republic first reported uh, Flake spoke about his decision on the Senate floor Tuesday, railing against the appalling features of our current politics and arguing that lawmakers should never regard as normal the regular and casual undermining of our democracy, norms, and ideals, which is Trump. It is it is for our complicity and our accommodation of the unacceptable to the end. Unacceptable means Donald Trump and the racists around him. He's saying, I will not be complicit or silent. It's about time the Republicans showed some backbone against this moron in the White House. Moron is just, you know, is just light. He's much more than a moron, but I'm just being nice. Um, this guy is something else. And uh, okay, he's doing, um, they're playing uh, snip, snip bits and clips of uh, Jeff Flake's speech on the Senate floor. You know, even Mitch McConnell is saying that it's a great speech. It's, it, it was pretty good, even though it was against his president. Because Mitch, Mitch McConnell is a coward. He will not come out and say things like that against Trump because he's afraid Trump is going to walk over there and slap him. So he won't say anything like that. But you got uh, Republicans. I think, I think all Republicans in Congress know that Trump is nothing but an asshole and a danger to America. But they fail to do anything. They fail to do it. 80% of the American public Americans want to see Donald Trump out of office. I'm pretty sure a lot of the Republic, a lot of the Republicans, they've heard a lot from their voters, but they're not listening to their voters. They're listening to party leaders instead of their voters, and that's a damn shame. They're not going to the um, uh, town halls because they know if they go to the town halls, they're going to get their asses handed to them. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, and it, it it's it's always breaking news. You can't get you can't already get over one or two things that that has been going on 
uh, pertaining to the Trump administration without something else dropping. There's there's so much I wanted to talk talk to about today, but uh, now we got to talk about this Donald Trump and he looks like he's just mean and mean and and just honorary and just pissed off at the world and everybody and I don't know how he get these supporters. Donald Trump is one of the biggest jackasses of the 21st century. All right, welcome back. Democratic mega donor and billionaire environmentalist Tom Steyer is known for spending millions of his own dollars on Democratic campaigns. Well, now the party's single biggest donor is spending again, only this time his money is going to a national TV ad campaign calling for President Trump's impeachment. Take a look. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. Tom Steyer is a retired former hedge fund founder and manager who poured $91 million of his own money into Democratic campaigns just last year alone. And he's joining us now live. Good to see you, Tom. Hey, Frederica, how are you? I'm good. So this ad campaign, according to one of your aides, cost more than $10 million. And given the Republican-controlled Congress, you know, why do you feel that this is money well spent? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give a voice to the American people because I think Democrats and Republicans alike know that this president is, in fact, a clear and present danger to their health and safety. And so we're trying to give them a chance to go to their representatives and make this case because that's the, the American people still, their voice is the most powerful thing in our country. And if they speak up, then elected officials have to listen. But on what grounds do you believe Trump should be impeached? Because there has to be more than a belief of clear and present danger or right. access to nuclear weapons. He has violated his trust to the Constitution and to the American people. By firing James Comey, he clearly obstructed justice. That is the historical basis for impeaching a president. He has been, the emoluments clause has been um, broken. The fact of the matter is he has clearly broken his trust with the Constitution. The reason that we're calling for it is that it's urgent that it happen now. The fact of the matter is he is putting us at risk on a daily basis. And he has, you, you can go to legal scholars, he has clearly met the standard for impeachment, but we have to have it. And so that's why we're going to the American people and asking them to raise their voices and say, we need a change. Uh, but but there are parameters in which the, the president does have the authority to hire and fire the FBI director. Yes, but obstructing justice is not one of them. The fact of the matter is if you look at the historical impeachments, they were all based around obstructing justice mm. at much lower levels or equivalent levels to what he's already done publicly. Okay, well, looking into obstruction of justice among the many things that uh, congressional uh, investigations are looking into, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, also looking into it with his investigations. Why not wait until those investigations are complete? Because it is urgent. Because, in fact, we are giving this president a new parameter that he not only has to meet the old parameters for being impeached, now all of a sudden there's a much lower standard that he is allowed to do things that no one else has ever been allowed to do before. We should not be breaking the Constitution to keep in office a president who is putting at risk 
the safety and health of Americans on a daily basis. I don't understand why we're delaying. In fact, it's urgent right now that we act, and that's what we're... Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio, straight up out of the city of Chicago. I'm in my studio, as always, when I'm doing this show. And we have this big old, this great big window in front of me. I can see out on the avenue and everything. People can see inside. But it's dark. It's raining. It's <laughs> it's cold. And, uh, you know, I guess we just have to, people in Chicago and other places, I guess they you got to get used to uh, fall and winter because we've had such a great summer, folks. It, it has been such a great summer. I really can't complain. So uh, we just have, we're just going to have to take what we get because uh, summer was just great. And, uh, and I really can't complain. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Uh, you're, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Hi, George. It's uh, Ira Pastro calling in. Wow. You know, I, 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 I was expecting you, but... Uh, your name is Pastor. I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of uh, someone affiliated with the church. <laughs> but I see you. I get that a lot. <laughs> huh? I get that a lot. I get that question a lot. Okay, Ira S. Pastor on the George Wilder Jr. Show. All right, give us a little bio and tell us a little bit about yourself and and what do you think we should know and you know all that good stuff. Sure, sure. Well, thanks so much for having me tonight. Um, yeah, I'm, a, um, I'm located here in Philadelphia, and I'm a, uh, a guy that spent the last uh, 35 years or so uh, in the United States pharmaceutical industry uh, in some facet mm-hmm. or another, uh, developing, uh, marketing uh, drugs to treat things that, that ail us as humans. And, you know, it was a pretty interesting career. But after 30 or so years uh, of being involved in it, I got kind of dismayed by the fact that uh, although we were sort of as an industry bringing in a trillion dollars a year, we were very bad at uh, curing anything that ailed us. We're pretty good at treating things. So when it came to cancer and Alzheimer's disease and all the real big things that scare us at the end of the day, we're really not doing too well. And, um, you know, I wanted to do something a little different with the the second part of my career. So got involved in uh, a new enterprise known as BioQuark. It's involved in uh, regenerative medicine. And basically, uh, what we say, going back to nature, sort of looking at all of the wonderful organisms that live on this planet with us uh, that, uh, from a health perspective, are, are much further advanced than we are. Um, you know, many of the audience are undoubtedly aware of the uh, 
the ability of, of organisms like amphibians to be able to regrow and replace the lost limbs and spinal cords and other parts of their body effortlessly mm -hmm. uh, under you know, severe decapitation and injury. While we as humans, if we spinal cord, you know, we're in a wheelchair for the rest of our lives. Our limbs don't grow back and uh, hearts and eyeballs and even parts of our brain, uh, once we lose them, they're gone for a long, you know, forever. Uh, but these uh, friends of ours in nature, they, they're very good at just starting over and regrowing things. And they wanted to sort of merge the two concepts. Basically, how could we look at sort of this ability that many of uh, the biologic kingdom is capable of, but not us as humans, and how we can sort of reignite that capability for human health uh, and, and purposes as such in the future. So sort of dealing with a lot of these diseases that today we're just spinning our wheels trying to create new drugs for, but not really getting very far. That was sort of the basis behind, you know, what we got involved in here and what we've been doing uh, for the last several years. Um, and so, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, go, on. go ahead. Yeah, and they, um, you know, behind, you know, the, the concepts of regeneration are also this lesser known ability uh, of many species in nature to sort of revert uh, damage as it occurs throughout your life. So, I, so cancer is, you know, one example that we give that you know, everything in nature gets cancer. You know, we as humans get cancer, but so do dogs and cats and snakes and frogs and trees. Uh, how many of the lower organisms deal with it, though, is much different than, than with. Um, and, and cancer, while it occurs across the natural kingdom, it doesn't kill everyone equally like it kills us. And this is another area that we're yeah, that's, interested in studying. You know, that's interesting. That's interesting. And uh, in in the United States, you know, uh, the the medical and pharmaceutical industry, it's it's financial. You know, and you would think they would find a cure for cancer, uh, or uh, some of the, some of some of these other debilitating diseases. Uh, just like other modern countries have, don't you think so? I mean, it is a, it is a big business, and there is a yes, lot it's of a money financial. to be made in in so called sick care. And I think you know, if you look back the last yeah. hundred years, that is in essence what the industry is based on. And whether it's the, the trillion dollars that pharmaceuticals generate or the six trillion that we pour into just healthcare overall, uh, while we and, you know maybe and, somewhat and healthcare. Yet, with all this money pouring in, and yet you know, sick people uh, just stay sick. It's it, it's 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 a it's profitable to keep people sick and actually not curing their diseases, but giving them enough to, so that they won't die, and getting them hooked on medicines that could probably actually kill them a lot faster than the disease would. Yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely uh, sort of been the the nature of the of the oncology system for for decades now. Um, and, you know, we've sat back and, uh, you know, you can look at things like chemotherapy, which it goes back about 100 years. You can go back to radiation and surgery, which go back over 100 years. And these are still mm -hmm. the mainstays of what, of what we base the cancer system on. And even though you hear in the news right. of, of more advanced, you know, smart bomb therapies and immunotherapies and what have you, and as exciting as those topics are, what they don't mention, or they mention the small print, is that those are really great drugs, but they work in a very small amount. So yeah, at they... some point, <laughs> we need to merge the, 
the stuff that does really good for the large population. And, that and then you got you, you got people the buying these drugs. You got people constantly buying these drugs, and it's constantly hooked on these drugs. And the disease that they have, they're they're always gonna have it because most of these drugs just treat the symptoms. They don't. They're not exactly. cures. But exactly. you know, but people are hooked on them, and the doctors keep writing prescriptions. Uh, so basically, people are losing their homes, their their cars, their kids can't go to college because they've spent everything on drugs that just didn't work or just made the the the, the disease a lot worse. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. This is really mm-hmm. something that we, as a company now, are trying to to change, and basically how mm-hmm. we can take the clues that basically have been in front of us for have been developing uh, for, you know, thousands of years in nature uh-huh. by what we'll call not the non-human world uh, and understand how do we regrow body parts? How do we regrow organs? Yeah, how do we take yeah. cancer and not try to kill it, but just turn it back into normal tissue from whence it came? What about, um, what about, excuse me, I didn't mean to jump in, but what about stem cells? Years ago, people were talking about stem cells. They were just a cure for everything. You know, I mean, if you're in a wheelchair and you've got, or you're a paraplegic and, and you, you do a stem cell transplant, hey, wow, you're walking again. We don't hear anything else. We don't hear nothing about that anymore. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because we got our start as a, as a stem cell company in a sense. Mm-hmm. And very early on into sort of the development, we realized, very similar to you know, our experience on the drug side of things, that stem cells, as interesting as a cell they were, they needed a lot more. In other words, the concept that you could just dump some of these new cells into your body and poof, you get a new part of your heart or a new part of your brain or the spinal cord heals was missing the big picture. That was, you know, sort of analogous to I'll throw some bricks mm-hmm. into my house and hope a new you know, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't work that way. And so as I said, oh, things okay. happen in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the animal world very differently. It's not just about the cells, but it's about the signals and the information that says, you know what, I need to grow a new part of the heart here. It has to be a certain size, shape. It can't be the size of a watermelon. It can't be the size of a walnut. And all the external stimuli and signals that say, this is what goes here. If you just dump cells in, that's not going to happen. And so that's sort of been the last 20 years as exciting as you mentioned. Yes, stem cells, they were all the rage two decades ago when they were first discovered. But now we've begun to realize and sort of going in different directions that cells are important, but there's a much bigger picture there. And we like to make the analogy, you know, if you and I did not form in our mother's womb, uh, by someone dumping a billion cells in there and baby yeah. <laughs> materialized. Yeah. Well. Uh, it's a much different process. <laughs> so um, that is sort of how we're bridging the gap, sort of reinitiating that development process as opposed to just, you know, flooding the system with more cells that do not know what to become on their own. But you, but you do agree that the medical industry is a profitable one and uh, it's profitable because it, it's uh, keeping people sick. It, it is. It is indeed doing that. I mean, that's the you know, it's the business. And I say, I I grew up in yeah. it. I spent uh, over mm-hmm. three decades there, and that was the reason I I, I, mean, I technically in biotech, which is related to it. But in essence, I was going to get away from that because at the end of the day, I could not stand selling you know the ninth uh, cholesterol lowering drug or the tenth uh, anti-inflammatory that came along. It was just. Uh, yeah. 
aside from the fact that I knew the potential of the technologies that were out there, it was just boring. Uh, although the numbers were, and people loved it. I mean, I, I have friends that, you know, grew up in the industry like I did and love it. I mean, they love going into doctor's offices <laughs> and selling the next thing and bringing hoagies and donuts. I'm a Philly guy. Oh, yeah, it's a great <laughs> career. But, <laughs> and they love it. But it's, uh, no, I wanted to do do a little more and, and move beyond just yeah. this, uh, yeah. that component of it. And and I think yeah. we're at the, the point now as an industry where between the technology that's out there and just the ability to uh, think of some of these things in 2017, we have the ability to really change what's been going on for the better. Ira S. Pastor on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Do you have a book? I mean, have you written about this? Um, actually, recently, I, I wrote my first chapter. Uh, there's a book coming out uh, by the uh-huh. uh, so-called trans, Transhumanist uh, Party of the United States. Um, or I wrote a uh, chapter recently on how one can use nature to find these clues for regeneration and disease reversion and so forth. Um, but I, I do not have a, uh, any fiction writing as of yet, although some has been proposed, especially along the lines of some of the work we're doing in, in brain uh, repair and regeneration. Uh, but primarily, uh, I, I'm, I'm heavily focused on the company right now, BioCorp, and really growing these clinical mm. programs to, to bring new products to market. But you know what? It would help if you had a book. You know, I mean, it would help if you, you know, that could be an extension of what of what you're doing, uh, what you're trying to do. Yeah. You know, you, you want to bring people in on it. And uh, exactly. you know, uh, one of the things you can do is a book and you can do more shows like this to get the word out uh, uh, about what you what, what you guys are into. You know, so. Yeah. Um, but that's up to you. I mean, you know, that's up to you. You know, it's, it's, it's a great, and it has, you know, recently been proposed to us because, you know, so often when when we talk about mm-hmm. what we do, people say, oh, that's science fiction. But no, it's not science fiction. It's, it's <laughs> no, it's not science now. fiction. So we can, you know, uh, maybe write some fiction that uh, ultimately blends into uh, the real world. But, uh, yeah, we're on the you same know, it's not, we're really thinking about I, I don't. I don't think it's science fiction. I think it's more like nonfiction, you know, because it's, mm-hmm. what you're saying is, it's it's really happening, and uh, uh, you and your colleagues can probably probably offer some solutions, or uh, you know, tell the world what you think should be done on this or that. You know, on absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Do you have a um, do you have a website where people can go and uh, find out more information? Sure, sure. It's www.bioquark, mm-hmm. B-I-O-Q-U-A-R-K.com. And uh, the website, you can find out everything about our research and uh, some of our initiatives, both on the on the drug side as well as the non-drug side. We also focus on consumer products and skin care and trying to turn your turn your skin and, and, and your appearance back uh, 20 years in time using the same testing <laughs> technology. So we're interested on all fronts. And, uh, yeah. yeah, you can come visit there and, and see a little bit of everything we're doing. All right, one last question. What would you like to leave my audience with? Um, we are at a very uh, important time in human history where uh, really nothing is off the table. I mean, we have... Uh, you know, whether we're talking about the you know the hundred thousand people we lose every day from age-related ailments, or the fifty thousand that we lose every day from forms of acute trauma, we have a 
uh, technology set in front of us as a society that can really begin to deal with these major problems uh, responsible for human suffering, degeneration, and death. So the next 10 to 20 years are going to be extremely exciting as far as uh, what's coming down the road, and uh, everyone should really be, I know there's a lot going going on in many facets in the world today in terms of geopolitical <laughs> yeah. and what have you, but as uh, more people yeah. really focus on some of the exciting science and technology, uh, I think it can be uh, not just interesting, but also uplifting uh, in sort of the, uh, the world we live in today and, and what's going on. So everyone yeah, I do agree. Yeah. IRS pastor on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Thanks for doing this show. Much appreciated. Thanks for having George. Thank you. Bye-bye. 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 All right, uh, IRS pastor on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Let's do this right now. I'm Keith Olbermann, and this is The Resistance. Trump has promised a news conference Wednesday. I'll believe Ladies and gentlemen, the George Wilder Jr. Show has now arrived.
All right, welcome back. Democratic mega donor and billionaire environmentalist Tom Steyer is known for spending millions of his own dollars on Democratic campaigns. Well, now the party's single biggest donor is spending again, only this time his money is going to a national TV ad campaign calling for President Trump's impeachment. Take a look. A Republican Congress once impeached a president for far less. Yet today, people in Congress and his own administration know that this president is a clear and present danger who's mentally unstable and armed with nuclear weapons. Tom Steyer is a retired former hedge fund founder and manager who poured $91 million of his own money into Democratic campaigns just last year alone. And he's joining us now live. Good to see you, Tom. Hey, Frederica, how are you? I'm good. So this ad campaign, according to one of your aides, cost more than $10 million. And given the Republican-controlled Congress, you know, why do you feel that this is money well spent? Well, what we're trying to do is we're trying to give a voice to the American people because I think Democrats and Republicans alike know that this president is, in fact, a clear and present danger to their health and safety. And so we're trying to give them a chance to go to their representatives and make this case because that's the, the American people still, their voice is the most powerful thing in our country. And if they speak up, then elected officials have to listen. But on what grounds do you believe Trump should be impeached? Because it has to be more than a belief of clear and present danger or right. access to nuclear weapons. He has violated his trust to the Constitution and to the American people. By firing James Comey, he clearly obstructed justice. That is the historical basis for impeaching a president. He has been, the emoluments clause has been um, broken. The fact of the matter is he has clearly broken his trust with the Constitution. The reason that we're calling for it is that it's urgent that it happen now. The fact of the matter is he is putting us at risk on a daily basis. And he has, you can go to legal scholars, he has clearly met the standard for impeachment, but we have to have it. And so that's why we're going to the American people and asking them to raise their voices and say, we need a change. Uh, but, but there are parameters in which yeah. the, the president does have the authority to hire and fire the FBI director. Yes, but obstructing justice is not one of them. The fact of the matter is, if you look at the historical impeachments, they were all based around obstructing justice mm. at much lower levels or equivalent levels to what he's already done publicly. Okay, well, looking into obstruction of justice among the many things that uh, congressional uh, investigations are looking into, the special counsel, Robert Mueller, also looking into it with his investigations. Why not wait until those investigations are complete? Because it is urgent. Because, in fact, we are giving this president a new parameter that he not only has to meet the old parameters for being impeached, now all of a sudden there's a much lower standard that he is allowed to do things that no one else has ever been allowed to do before. We should not be breaking the Constitution to keep in office a president who is putting at risk the safety and health of Americans on a daily basis. I don't understand why we're delaying. In fact, it's urgent right now that we act, and that's what we're asking the American people to stand up and speak for. So as the DNC, uh, Democratic National Committee, gathers for its fall meeting this uh, weekend, among the concerns that the party lacks resources to win midterm elections, do you plan to put money into other 2018 campaigns? Well, what we really do, Frederica, is we're really a grassroots organization 
which means is we make it possible for local groups to go door to door, to phone bank, to talk citizen to citizen about the issues of the day. That's what we did in 2016. And of course, we're going to keep doing that in 2017. We're already doing it in 2018. Our whole push is the old fashioned idea that American citizens talking to each other about the most important issues of the day is the way that we have a vibrant and just democracy. And we will continue doing that just the way we have for the last few years. So, so quickly, might this be a prelude to your own uh, potential campaign, an opinion piece in the L.A. Times this weekend suggesting that you may be trying to build your own political brand uh, with this campaign, that you may be eyeing Senate Dianne Feinstein's seat after saying you know, she will run for a fifth term? Uh, what's, what's the process? I have that? said that I am willing to do anything, including running for office, to push forward a positive agenda for California and for America. And that's true, I haven't taken that off the table. But this move for impeachment stands by itself. It is its own campaign because I think everyone in America knows this is true. All of those elected officials in DC, Republicans and Democrats, know it's true, but no one wants to say it. And what we're trying to do is say, we're willing to say it and we're asking the American people to say it because it's true, it's important, it's gotta happen, and we, we gotta give it a voice. All right, Tom Sayer, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Frederica, thanks for having me. All right, we'll be right back. All right, you will be right back. Okay, um, R. Kelly. R. Kelly, uh, one of his, if I can jump off the subject for a minute, R. Kelly, singer, soul singer or R&B singer or rapper, R. Kelly, he's been around a long time. Um, Michael Jackson has covered a couple of his songs, the late Michael Jackson. Uh, R. Kelly's ex-girlfriend says that he abused her and he also starved her. her you know, so uh, R. Kelly, his, his ex-girlfriend said that he abused and starved her. And I've been, I mean, over the years, I've been hearing so much about R. Kelly. Uh, R, the R stands for Robert, I understand, but uh, he's just R. Kelly. Um, over the years, I've been hearing so much negativity about uh, R. Kelly and his treatment of women, young girls. Uh, some people are saying that he runs a harem of young girls. Uh, he abuses them. I mean, sexually abuses them, physically abuses them. I've been hearing all of this. He's gone to jail. I mean, he's gone to jail. He's gone to trial. He's 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 been indicted uh, over the years for uh, for some of these things. And and now some of the mothers of these young girls are coming out blasting R. Kelly, saying that their daughters are being treated like slaves in his house, you know? So, you know, you know, a lot of this, you know, a lot of this probably is not true, but a lot of it may be true. Uh, I've been hearing this stuff for years on R. Kelly. I mean, he's not a married man. I, I, I just don't know. I've never been a fan, actually. I, I have never, ever been a fan. Um, of R. Kelly, but I know I knew people who were fans. So this guy is with <laughs> in the environment of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Women are coming out all over the place saying, "Me too. I've been sexually assaulted too." I, I I can I can see that. I can see 
I, I think some of the women around here in my, my own neighborhood, in my own community have been sexually harassed. Women everywhere have probably been sexually harassed. A lot of people, a lot of women aren't, aren't uh, going to come forward and say anything. A lot of people, a lot of women are going to start coming forth uh, say th- something about sexual assault. They were victims themselves because now of this Harvey Weinstein situation, uh, it, it has uh, uh, blown the lid off sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape. Um, I mean, you got women going on TV now uh, on some of these shows saying that saying that um, guys were have been sticking their hands under their dress and stuff. So, you know, you you've got a lot of people coming out, a lot of women coming out. And uh, saying that they have been sexually assaulted, you know. So, yeah, it is what it is, and it, there's been a new uh, conversation about it. A lot of women are coming out. I mean, I've seen women uh, on television talking on the radio, and they and they are very graphic. Oh, he was under my dress. His hand went all the way up my dress. I, 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 uh, I, I hear it. I hear it, and I and they have my sympathy, you know, and uh, you know they have my sympathy. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. You can uh, follow me on Facebook. Follow me right here on Block Talk Radio. Follow, follow, follow. Follow me on Twitter. You know, I, I've lost a lot of Twitter friends, if I can say this, and, and it's it's due to my politics. You know, I mean, I've I I lose them in droves, Jack. <laughs> I mean losing them in droves. I mean, I don't lose one or two or three. I mean, I, I, um, uh, lose them like, but you know what? You lose a friend, you gain a friend, you lose two friends, you gain three, you use, you know, you, you're always gaining because everybody's not going to see, uh, things your way. Everybody's not going to uh, disagree with you. I don't think, uh, unfriending somebody means that you, that you're, uh, just because you disagree with someone, I don't think you sh- should be unfriending someone just because you disagree. Um, the only time I unfriend somebody is when I find out that they are a they're nasty, vindictive, racist. Then, in my um, then for me they have to go. You know, if, if uh, I find a person like that, but to unfriend somebody just because uh, they may not, they're not thinking the way you think uh, or you just disagree with what they're saying i think that's um backwards but that's just me (laughs) all right you've been listening to the george wilder jr show on on um black talk radio my mind is someplace else folks so we're gonna try uh, yeah john kelly light i'm gonna do this this uh clip here on john kelly and his lies I mean, we have a White House full of liars. I had a very nice conversation with the woman, with the wife, who is, sounded like a lovely woman, did not say what He's the congresswoman said, and most people aren't too surprised to hear that. Let, let her make her statement again, and then you'll find out. Good morning oh, and welcome to AM. Threatening Joy. someone, right? Over the right? past 10 months, Donald Trump has distinguished himself as a president who is prone to, shall we say, dishonesty. And he tends to double down on the lies he tells when he gets caught. But this week, Donald the Trump did something truly extraordinary, even for him. 
faced with a witness account with an eyewitness account of his phone conversation with a gold star widow a conversation that left the wife of a slain american soldier in tears according to the people who were with her a call in which Donald Trump reportedly told the wife of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson that her husband knew what he signed up for when he joined the military and was deployed to Niger, where he and three other U.S. Special Forces soldiers were killed in an ambush. Trump also reportedly told the distraught widow, who is pregnant with the couple's third child, in what presumably was an attempt at sympathy with her loss, but I guess it hurts anyway. Faced with the truth of that account, by an African-American congresswoman from Florida, Representative Frederica Wilson, a longtime friend of Sergeant Johnson's family, who was riding in the limo with the family to retrieve Sergeant Johnson's body at the family's invitation. Donald Trump not only lied, denying he ever said he knew what he was getting into, but the decorated general, who happens to be his chief of staff, a man who is himself a Gold Star father, then went to the White House podium to also attack the congresswoman. And when General John Kelly walked out to that microphone this week, he too did something extraordinary. After telling his own poignant story of the loss of his son, who was killed in Afghanistan in 2010, General Kelly confirmed Congresswoman Wilson's account in the course of defending Trump's statement that Sergeant Johnson knew what he was getting into. But General Kelly didn't stop there. Having confirmed that Donald Trump said exactly what the Congresswoman told the press he said, General Kelly then went on to smear Congresswoman Wilson by telling this story about the dedication of an FBI building in her district in 2015. The Congresswoman uh, stood up and in the long tradition of empty barrels making the most noise, stood up there and all of that and talked about how she was instrumental in getting the funding for that building and how she took care of her constituents because she got the money and she just called up President Obama and on that phone call he gave the money, the $20 million to build a building. And she sat down and we were stunned. That story, like Donald Trump's denial that he told Sergeant Johnson's widow that he knew what he was getting into, was false. And we now know it's false because the event in question was taped. And a local paper, the South Florida Sun Sentinel, released the tape in full on Friday, which proves that none of what General Kelly said about the Congresswoman, who he referred to simply as an empty barrel without ever bothering to use her name, that none of that actually happened. On Friday, after a full day of the hashtag I Believe Frederica trending and round condemnation of Kelly's attack on her, Congresswoman Wilson had this response to Kelly's remarks. That's a lie. You know, I feel sorry for General Kelly. He has my sympathy for the loss of his son, but he can't just go on TV and lie on me. Meanwhile, this morning, Sergeant Johnson is being laid to rest in South Florida. And Frederica Wilson, who started a mentoring program in Miami in 1993 that LaDavid Johnson and his brothers were part of. Today, when I woke up and saw the emotional interview with the grieving Gold Star widow, Maisha Johnson, my heart was broken, like most of you. And then moments later, the president tweeted, and I was shocked. I felt compelled to write an open letter to President Trump. And I want to share that letter with you right now. Dear Mr. President, I've interviewed you multiple times. You've introduced me to your family. You've also criticized me publicly, both in front of cameras and on Twitter, calling me hateful, dumb, a lightweight. 
Some of your friends have suggested you expected better of me, and I'm not sure why you'd expect anything other than fairness and facts first. We know you get a lot of your news from TV. Several of your friends and supporters have told me you watch this show. So since I have this platform, I'd like to speak to you personally right now. I feel compelled to do that after this latest controversy with the widow of Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. Your tweet this morning essentially called her a liar. Mr. Trump, please stop it. Please stop. Think of what Sergeant Johnson would want. You are putting his widow in the terrible position of having to fight for her dignity when she should be concentrating on taking care of herself, her health, her two children, and the one on the way. I want you to listen to what Maisha Johnson said this morning. The president said that he knew what he signed up for, but it hurts anyways. And I was, it made me cry because I was very angry at the, the tone of his voice and how he said it. Like he, he, he couldn't remember my husband's name. The only way he remembered my husband's name because he told me he had my husband report in front of him. And that's when he actually said, La David. I know you have children. You have two daughters. Can you imagine Ivanka or Tiffany in Maisha's shoes? having a fight with the commander-in-chief while they are pregnant and grieving. If Maisha Johnson is mad at you, take it, just as President Bush and others did. Take it. It's part of what you signed up for when you decided to descend that escalator and throw your hat in the ring for president. You are the commander-in-chief, the president of the United States of America, the greatest country on earth. Act like it. Act like you know that you're big enough not to have to win every fight or respond to every criticism. Act like you know where the high road is. Confident and secure people ask for help all the time and they ask for forgiveness. Insecure people think they know everything and need no help. And I want you to think about this. The only Gold Star families you have attacked are people of color. How does that look? Apologize. And I'm going to end with some words to help you do that. You're welcome to use them. And so now I'm going to speak directly to Maisha Johnson, as you should. Mrs. Johnson, since the president seems incapable of finding the right words, let me speak for the entire country. We are all sorry for what you are going through. All grief is different, and we cannot imagine how deep and profound yours is. We agree with you that LaDavid, your hero husband, was an awesome soldier, a great man, a great American. We know from what has been written about him that he wanted to be someone great, do great things with his life, and he was great, and he did great things. He is a role model to me. When his photos come up on the TV screen or I see them in the newspaper, I am so incredibly proud of him and what he accomplished. And to be extremely candid with you and with the world. As a black man, I'm always looking for role models who look like me. And the latest one I found was your husband, LaDavid. May he rest in peace. And may you find peace when you can finally get a good night's sleep 
knowing that this is America. We got your back. Believe that. Signed. <laughs> Making the world a better place <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show, Deadly Ambush. Those four soldiers that were killed, one, three white, one black. And the other soldier, uh, the black soldier, was not picked up in time. He, uh, he had wandered off or something, they're saying, and that he was ambushed. And he had, you know, uh, it was two days before they uh, found him and picked him up. We deserve answers on this. Donald Trump doesn't give a damn about giving answers. This should be Donald Trump's Benghazi. There should be, as I was saying yesterday on the show, over this matter, um, uh, there should be hearings on this. Remember how they crucified Clinton over emails and crucified her second time over Benghazi? I want to see some uh, 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 answers on this because everybody seemed to be I mean, hey, this is the White House. Everybody's probably lying, okay? Um, they were out in Niger. Some of the uh, Republicans didn't even know that there were troops in Niger. Wow. He was left behind uh, for two and a half days. And some of these generals and some of these military people with all these stars and stuff on their chest, they, got, they get on television and the first thing they're, they're going to say is that American soldiers do not leave anybody behind, but apparently they did in this case. Um, uh, the the African-American was left behind. And uh, like I said before, folks, we need some answers. There got to be some hearings on this. If the Republicans try not to uh, hold hearings on this, we're going to hold their feet to the fire. You know, I mean, there there is an American, uh, and an, there isn't, an intelligent American in this country who doesn't want to see uh, or hear hearings on this matter. I'm pretty sure Trump doesn't because he doesn't even know how to act. He doesn't, he doesn't know how to talk to a gold star uh, military mother. He doesn't know how to act. He has no empathy. He has no feelings. He has nothing for anybody. The only thing Donald Trump has is lies. He lied about saying he said her name. He did not say her husband's name. Because if he had said her husband's name, he would have said that he would have told us from the beginning. And as Don Lemon said, it seems like he's a, 
always attacking uh, people of color. Yeah, people of color. I mean, there are plenty of white people out there who criticize him, say nasty things about him, more so than African-Americans or other uh, people of, of color. He's not, he doesn't go after them. He goes after uh, black people. The guy's a racist. It's in his blood. It's in his genes. His father was, I'm hearing, was a, was a KKK member. It's in his blood. It's in his genes. And uh, a lot of the people who voted for this guy, I know they are wishing they had not. He's a mess. You know what? And another thing that gets me in all of this, where is Mike Pence? Where is he in all of this? You know, every time Trump gets his ass in a sling, and that's every day, every hour, there's nothing. You don't see Mike Pence. You don't. You don't see him around giving his thoughts on it, uh, uh, taking up for his boss. You know, defending his crazy boss. Where is Mike Pence in all of this? Wow. My, I'm thinking that Mike Pence is somewhere saying, I can't defend this guy. I don't want to take no questions on him. I don't want to go on TV to be asked questions, to be asked about this. I just cannot do this. So I'm going to go over here, uh, crawl under the bed, and I'm going to stay under the bed until it's all over. Mike Pence, it's not going to be all over. You can crawl under the bed, hide in a closet, whatever you want to do, um, hoping that this guy is impeached and you are installed as president, I'm pretty sure that's what's on Mike Pence's mind. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's staying above the fray. Because he know once this investigation is, is over, this Russia investigation is over, his ass might be in leg irons along with Donald Trump. They are screwing up this democracy. They're screwing up America. Donald Trump and Mike Pence uh, Mike Pence is one of Donald Trump's sole ass kissers, so he don't want to get out here and say anything against his boss because Donald Trump may fire him. He's scared as hell. Uh, he doesn't have any backbone. He doesn't have no ball. That's why he's not in front of the camera when he should be. He should be out there also so the reporters can ask him questions on everything pertaining to the deadly ambition. The, the deadly ambush of four Americans in Niger fighting, they were pursuing ISIS, the, a terrorist group, a group that Trump uh, swore to uh, eradicate. And all they've done is grow since he's been president. And this, and there's lots of questions about why he was left behind for two and a half days. I think Mike Pence should be out there uh, uh, getting uh, an earful, an earful of it himself. He's somewhere hiding. There's no doubt about it. Uh, uh, waiting in the wings <laughs> until Trump is thrown out of office so he can take it. Uh, and Mike Pence. A lot of people, a lot of folks are afraid of Mike Pence more so than they are of Donald Trump. They don't want to see Mike Pence in there. Mike Pence is in some cases they say is worse than Donald Trump. 
And then if Mike Pence and Donald Trump goes to jail, who do we have next? We have Paul Ryan, and we know he's an asshole. We know that he's a Trump ass kisser. So what we need to do is probably wait until, if we can, if this guy's not impeached earlier, until until the midterm elections, which which is which are is are are <laughs> which are uh, November sixth, twenty eighteen. It seems like a zillion miles away, uh, a zillion years away because of what's going on now. It seems like a very very long time to wait. But uh, like 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 I've uh, said yesterday, there's going to be a lot of elections around the country leading up to leading up to uh, November 6, 2018. At least we can vote the Republicans out and put Democrats in there and Trump will be impeached. There's no doubt about it. He will be impeached. But we got this Republican Congress uh, led by Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. They are peasants to Donald Trump. They're not going to impeach him. They need Donald Trump to get their agenda through, no matter what you say about him. They want to hurt America. They want to hurt people. And they're using Donald Trump. I think they're using him. And he's gullible enough to be used, destroying America. But when his own party, when people in his own party start to break away from him and criticize him, that's when you know that the Republican Party is falling the F apart. The Republican Party is in shambles. They're falling apart. You got some people who are diehard Trump supporters, no matter what this man does, says, lies about who he hurts. You know, the, the idiocy, the, the stupidity, the, the trashing of the White House. They're going to um, always love him. But, you, but there are a lot of people, a lot of his supporters, uh, they don't doing. Uh, some of them, maybe quite a few of them, said that they regret voting for him. But, the, but does Donald Trump hears that, but he ignores it. He hears it. But this is what Donald Trump says to the, all those people who regret voting for him. He says, F you. I'm president now. That's too bad. I'm president. F you. I'm going to take away your Social Security. I'm going to take away your Medicare. I'm going to take away your Medicaid. I'm going to take away your health care. All of it. He doesn't care who he hurts. Donald Trump does not care who he hurts, and he doesn't care what you think about him. But he's going to say something bad about him. He's going to try and hurt you. I think that's one of the reasons why Donald Trump has a war with the American people, because the American people doesn't want him in the White House. The American people doesn't like him. So he's going to strike back at the American people. His biggest war is with Americans, not North Korea, not uh, Iran, not Russia, but American. The greatest threat to this country is Donald Trump. The greatest threat to America is Donald Trump. And the Republicans know this. They're talking about it. They're saying it. They may not say it on TV. They may not say it in front of the cameras or go to the, go to the newspapers. But behind closed doors with each other, 
they are really, really um, angry about Donald Trump breaking the Constitution. This guy just spreads the Constitution. When he took office as president, he made an oath to the Constitution to uphold the Constitution. He lied. He broke every amendment, every, and he wants to take away freedom of speech. He wants to take licenses, licenses away from the media. He wants to go after Facebook users who say bad things about him. He wants to go after everybody who says something nasty about him. Majority of the things you say about him is true. It's true. But anyway, uh, I, you know, I, I was planning on talking about something that Donald Trump or the Republicans did a few days ago, but now there's something else uh, uh, here where uh, Jeff Flake and Bob Corker, two Republicans, uh, uh, bashing Donald Trump. You had five repre- uh, you had five presidents coming out a few days ago, including Donald Trump. I mean, including not Donald Trump, but um, I was I meant Barack Obama bashing Donald Trump. And the White House says, well, they're not talking about Trump. Give me a break. I mean, when my show is over, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to find out so much about how Donald Trump and the White House are trashing these two senators for telling the truth, for trying to save America, for trying to bring some stability to the White House. They're going to trash him. They're trashing him already. They're, Donald Trump... Donald Trump is trashing both of these GOP senators just because they're quitting the party and then they're uh, talking about him. You know, it, 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 he doesn't like that. He doesn't answer questions because he's afraid that what he says is going to be, uh, he's, gonna, he's, he's afraid of what he says to be reported. Then he's going to have to go back, go back and say, I didn't say that. But when actually he did say it because it's on tape. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Block Talk Radio. I would like to thank my guest, Ira S. Pastor. Uh, if you want, the, if you're tuning in late and you didn't get to hear the uh, my guest, just podcast the show for later and um, just podcast the show. And there he is on this particular show, on this particular day. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> wow. And before the show is over, which we have about six m- more minutes, I want to say um, the Benson, you remember the Benson star, Robert Guillaume, uh, who starred in a sitcom years ago, Benson? Um, he passed away. Uh, Robert Guillaume passed away today at 89 years old. Uh, he was... Um, he was a uh, Benson. Yeah, I think he was a servant in the house of. It was a comedy. It was a sitcom. It was pretty funny. I think I got uh, the first uh, um, season of that show here. But anyway, he passed on. He was 89 years old. I remember seeing him in Lean on Me with uh, Morgan Freeman. I thought that was great. I, and actually, I think that's one of Morgan Freeman's uh, better movies. Lean on Me. It's it's. It's a very old movie, but it's it's very, very, very good. And Morgan Freeman was very good. I, I thought Morgan Freeman at that time should have won an, an he should have won an Oscar. He was just that good in uh Lean on Me. Robert Guillaume was in there too. He was good too. He had a small part, 
but uh, it was good. So uh, Benson star Robert Guillaume passes at the age of 89. All right, rest in peace, uh, Robert Guillaume or Benson. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show. Uh, join me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Google, I'm all over the place, everywhere. <laughs> I'm working on some new material from 2018, so you guys look out for that. That's and um, hey, it's Halloween right now. It, it, it's Halloween and um, make Dracula Unchained. Uh, it's 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 a story that I wrote. Um, it's on. It's available on um, Amazon. Check it out, Dracula Unchained. There's some more stuff there, so check that out. All right, you've been listening to the George Wilder Jr. Show on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Making the world a better place, <laughs> one show at a time. The George Wilder Jr. Show is now, the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. <laughs> All right.
troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. We're just about off the air. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank my guest, Ira, as pastor. If you missed the interview, then just, you know, in an hour or so, just podcast the show, uh, download the show, or, you know, listen to it again. It'll be right here. So uh, are we off the air? Bye-bye, everybody. Take care.